Welcome to the Logics Academy podcast. My name is Brian Ouellette, and I am excited to bring stories from educators to educators from around the world. Don't forget to follow Logics Academy on social media at Logics Academy and check out our website for new and upcoming information, logicsacademy.com. Did you know about Neuron? The programmable electronic building block platform allows children to create their own gadgets using intuitively color-coded pieces. Neuron blocks are perfect to get creative with your kids this summer. Use Neuron to do garden work, program household chores, and create custom games to play with your family and more. Learn more at store.logicsacademy.com. The newly added Python Advanced set of resources are great for secondary students looking to get ahead with programming this summer. Check out these lessons and so much more at logicsacademy.com forward slash curriculum. And now it's time for my conversation with the amazing Melissa Burns. Everyone, I am so excited about today's episode because I am joined by the absolutely amazing Melissa Burns, who is going to tell us a little bit about esports and dive into what it is and how teachers can utilize that in their classroom. Melissa, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me. So, Melissa, before we dive too much into you know the nitty gritty of esports, let's tell our our listeners and our viewers a little bit about who you are and your background in education. For sure. Um, so, I'm an educator in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and uh, I've been working in the Louisville School Division for five years now. I did a few terms here and there before that, and finally landed that permanent contract. and uh, even though I was a high school specialist, I found myself in a K-8 school. I'm uh, traditionally a music specialist, actually. Uh, but this coming year, I'm going to be changing schools and moving into the classroom as a grade 7-8 homeroom teacher. Wow, that's quite the journey. And, and you say music specialist, so that's our great segue now into esports. So what got you into esports to start with? Um, well, it's actually been a long time coming. Like I've been a gamer my whole life. I've always enjoyed gaming. Um, I have pictures of myself in a diaper playing DOS games on my parents' <laughs> old computer. Yes, I'm that old. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I just always really was drawn to gaming. And so uh, when I actually found myself in this early years position, um, I felt like a fish out of water because I had only worked in high schools. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I went where the contract was. And so I wanted something that was going to make me feel a little bit more at home. And I had loved doing gaming. My husband had coached um, competitive esports uh, with an American league. We were in Canada, but he was doing that way back in 2012 already. And I was like, I wonder if I could do something like that here. I had heard rumblings that they were doing some high school land tournaments where you compete in the same room together. And so I pitched it to my new principal who had no idea who I was, knowing that I had never taught this age group before. And I said, hey, could I start an esports club? And uh, she's like, I don't really know what that is, but if you can find the gear, go for it. And so I sent out an email, I took a leap of faith to the whole staff. And I just said, Hi, I know you don't know me. But if anybody has any extra gear kicking around, um, I'd love to start this program. And someone responded that they had an extra uh, Wii around at their place. 
donated it to our program. And so we started playing. It was a small group of kids and um, there was a tournament coming up and I was like, look guys, we're going to be competing against high school students. You're all in grades six to eight. Um, They're going to be technically better than you, but that doesn't mean you have to lose. And so we're going to strategize how to beat someone who's technically better than you. And we went into that first tournament and very much the underdogs. Nobody thought they could do anything. And they won B-side. And that kind of kickstarted everything. And at first, for me, it was creating a space, a physical community for my students who kind of a lot of them just kind of make it through the school day and they go home and that's where they really feel like they can be themselves and they're staying up really late gaming because that's their community. That's their, that's their group of people. And this was my way of giving them a physical community and a place to belong and a team to be a part of at the school where they felt like they belonged. And then I realized it was so much more than that. And that all of my students are gamers. It wasn't just the fringy kids. They all game. And the stats show that and support that. Um, and it started to spiral into this thing where it was more than just getting together and gaming. It was competing. It was strategizing. And then it became curricular and so much more than that extracurricular. It was really cool to see how that evolved. That is quite the story. You know, coming from you know, a donated Wii for you to start the club and then competing and, and winning, you know, a certain division. That's so cool to hear. And and it's like, that's the the inspiring story that you want to hear. And then you're like, you know what? I could try that in my school, you know, and what it is. Um, but before we dive way too far into this, because we've said esports and we talked about gaming for our listeners and our viewers who are, who are kind of wondering what is esports? What are we what are we talking about? Can we give us a little bit of a synopsis of what what is esports? What does it stand for? Yeah, uh, I think that's a really great question to start with, actually, because there is a lot of misconception as to what esports are and what qualifies as an esport. Um, I get it all the time when I speak at conferences where they're like, "Well, can Animal Crossing be an esport?" <laughs> and <laughs> we're kind of missing the mark there. And it really comes down to esports are relatively new. They're not that new. They've been around for over, well, I mean, the original esports started in the 70s. Um, but uh, yes, I know that might be surprising to some people. They've actually, esports have been around since the 70s. Um, but they really gained popularity in the early 2010s. Um, and so that's really when we saw it pick up. But the primary viewership is average age of about 26, which is why people don't understand it. In really simple layman's terms, you're looking at competitive gaming. Strictly speaking, usually esports also denotes um, the presence of a professional scene as well. So it's like spike ball is a competitive game, but it's not going to be in the Olympics. Whereas you would have soccer, like football in the UK. So soccer is in the Olympics. It is a competitive sport that has a professional scene and is kind of more associated in that parameter. Wow, super interesting. So so what are some examples of esports gaming, like games that would be considered esports that would be competitive that you would see in some sort of like tournament style? Um, I'd say the biggest one that you're going to see is League of Legends. Uh, even if you don't play games, you've probably heard of League of Legends at some point. Um, 
it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Like this is stuff that is being aired on ESPN. They have massive world championships. They just had the Midsummer Invitational back in uh, June uh, that was hosted in uh, Iceland, I want to say. Um, but like you have sports desks and commentators and statisticians, and it is so much more than just a few people sitting in a basement playing video games. That stereotype is long gone. That's, and you know what? Let's break that stereotype now for our listeners and our viewers who are wondering, how does this fit in education? Like as a teacher, you know, you've mentioned using it as a club and how do you do this in a school atmosphere, bringing esports in? Well, and that's the really interesting thing is that we're seeing a shift and an evolution even within how esports fit within our schools. Um, there's definitely a lot more progressive approaches that are happening uh, like overseas in Europe. But here in Canada, most places you're going to find it primarily in high schools at the moment. We're working very hard to get it uh, more visible in the middle years. Uh, and I'll tell you all about that later. But um Generally speaking, it's seen as an extracurricular um, team sport. So you would have kids getting together to, to coach and like you'd coach them like you would a volleyball practice and then they would compete that way. Wow. And, you know, we talk about having announcers at desks and big tournaments and, and, and world tournaments even like it. That's even beyond the scope of what I thought esports wise. It's so great to hear. So is it, does everything classify? I guess you mentioned Animal Crossing doesn't quite classify as that, but you know, like things like Fortnite or Minecraft, are, are those something that you would see in that esport genre that people can compete in? Uh, in terms of esports, in a very broad definition, absolutely, those could be considered part of that category of esports. Minecraft is kind of more, I personally call it um, competitive gaming, um, because there are ways to play mi Minecraft in a competition. Um, so like the make and model uh, is really great for doing competitive gaming, doing competitive builds. Um, we've seen a lot of different uh, build competitions that are happening. Um, there some like sort of parkour uh, speed runs that are happening, some steal the wool, which is kind of like a capture the flag. But it really is falling more into that like competitive gaming category. Whereas something like Fortnite, you do have multi-million dollar prize tournaments. Um, but we're looking at games like Rocket League, League of Legends. Um, you won't see it in schools, but CSGO, Valorant, stuff like that. Super cool. So what kind of things do you use with your club? You mentioned a Wii and all I can picture, you know, of my days of the Wii is, is Wii bowling um, <laughs> or Wii baseball. But what do you what do you use like in your club? What kind of games do you kind of encourage your students to use? Well, uh, originally we were using the Wii or the Wii U at that point um, and obviously have upgraded to the switch. Um, so we were, we had been prior to COVID because COVID changed everything. It actually was <laughs> really great for esports, I have to say. Um, but we were playing primarily Smash Bros back in the day. Um, so lots of that uh, action that was happening, Smash Bros Ultimate. Um, but with the shift it, it, with COVID, where we were coming in and out of schools, we weren't in the same spaces, we weren't able to be together the way we used to, we actually transitioned to being fully remote with our games. And because we were shifting to being fully remote and kids were playing from home, we wanted everything to be as accessible and equitable as possible. So back in 2019 or 2018, uh, I founded Middle Years Esport Manitoba, which is our provincial 
Council Organization for Organized Esports here in Manitoba, specifically for middle-year students, so grades six to eight, roughly. Um, and then this past year, because of COVID, we also just launched the Canadian Middle School Esport Association, which is rebranding this fall into Esports Canada. Um, and so we're going to be offering gaming for kindergarten to grade 12, all the way through. It is nonprofit for students by educators designed with education in mind. Um, this is, it's really exciting. But um, going back to that equity and accessibility, we chose games that were going to be free to play and cross-platform. So these were games that the kids didn't, they could go home and ask their parents to download it, obviously. Um, we're really careful about reading privacy policies and uh, the uh, ESRB ratings and all that kind of stuff to make sure our students are being safe and that we are providing a safe space for students to learn. Um, but we were going for games like Rocket League, which is like soccer with race cars basically <laughs> uh, and we did brawlhalla which is a free version of it's the same kind of game as smash bros but it, it was a free cross-platform like kids who didn't even have access to a computer could play it on their phone or their tablet um we did some magic the gathering arena uh so we had some one-on-one -on -one card strategy stuff that was happening um and then the older students are grade uh nine to 12 students were playing League of Legends as well as a few other titles, but that was our focus. Wow, that's quite a list right there. And you mentioned something like, yeah, I played that game. I did that, I played that a little bit. It's super fun. And, and so our listeners who are out there still, you know, I wanting to get started and, and kudos to you for starting the associations, the eSport associations and, and providing that opportunity both for students and educators uh, to see, but where could, so if our people are listening right now and they're saying, okay, Melissa, all sounds great. Where do I go? Is there is there a website associated to to the association they can access and things like that? Um, you can check out our provincial uh, organization website at myemb.ca, um, and you can also find me on Twitter. We're currently in the process of rebranding and relaunching our Esport Canada website, so that'll be coming out very soon in the next two or three weeks. Um, but that'll be coming up really shortly, so I will definitely send you a link as soon as that's live. Awesome. But yeah. Super fun, super fun. Okay, so you, uh, I, I'm gonna say my last question because I now I'm just super curious yeah. about all these games that can be used in, in school. So if you have a teacher, let's say we have a teacher who's listening now saying, you know, I, I know I have students who play games. I know they, I have a lot of gamers in my class and I'm sure many people can relate saying, yeah, they go home instead of doing homework, they're just playing video games. How do you kind of wrap that up into a package and say, let's make this into some sort of tournament or some sort of club that allows you know, whether it be Magic to Gathering or, or Rocket League to say, let's make it a sport for our school so that they get encouraged into that. How do, how do you get that ball kind of rolling? Yeah, um, I'd say just find someone who's doing it and get them to help you out, but never be afraid to try. You don't have to be the expert to actually get one of these programs started. And something that we're doing here in Manitoba now, and uh, Quebec has been doing it for quite a while, there's a couple schools in Ontario doing it, is that we are now bringing this into our classrooms. We've already proven the uh, pedagogical and the outcome um, potential of esports. And so now we're bringing it into the classroom so that we can really utilize it. Um, they can get into it by by connecting with other teachers who are doing it, but bringing it into the classroom and really laying into all of those uh, pedagogical benefits and lots of 21st century learning opportunities, SEL, and so much more. 
Super fun, super fun. And you, and you did mention earlier, and I meant to ask you about this, which is, you know, the privacy, the the legal part of it, you know, you read through that stuff. Do you get your students or, or you know, the individuals who, are, who participate in esports to sign some sort of an agreement? Or are you like, as the teacher vetting, I'm not saying you're going to spend 30 hours playing the game to make sure nothing's going wrong, but do you, do you, is there a way to do that without having to worry, you know, if there's playing smash bros, that there's an issue there, or do you get some sort of, um, parent approval sent home, I guess. Uh, so this is something that's really important, especially with the age group that I work with in particular, I'm working primarily with grades six to eight. And so anytime you're dealing with students under the age of 13, it's really important that we're taking really close care of all those privacy issues and concerns. So on our website, we have templates available that you can download and edit to suit your school district's needs and your school's needs. You can even put it on your school letterhead. Um, we want to make sure that we're using every single opportunity to teach digital literacy. So even when we're looking at things like privacy policies and all that kind of stuff, I have conversations with my students when I'm handing out those permission forms that I'm not just handing it out and saying, hey, get your parents to sign this, bring it back so you can play, that we actually stop when we have that conversation about what is um, what is digital safety? What is your digital footprint? Why does that matter? Why is this important? What are they using the information that they're collecting? What's the difference between individual data and aggregate data and how is that utilized differently um, and so we can use that every every opportunity and every negative stereotype that's given to esports can be turned around and used as an opportunity to teach they're all teachable move- moments wow and, and on that exact statement i'm going to segue into my final question for you melissa because i've I've taken a lot of your time already today. So for our listeners and for our viewers out there, what advice would you have to educators who are looking to get started in ed tech or esports? So what would be your top three tips, if you can, uh, to our educators who are looking to get started in ed tech or esports? I would say uh, number one is don't be afraid. Just jump in and do it. Um, You don't have to be the expert and providing the opportunity for your students to do it. They can be the technical experts. You have the pedagogical expertise. Use this as a tool that you can utilize to enhance your learning environment. You are meeting students where they're at by using esports. The latest research that's coming out says that students between the age of 13 to 18 97% of them are considered gamers, meaning that they're playing a minimum of two hours a day. And it doesn't have to be just video games. Like when we're looking at phone applications and different kinds of mobile gaming, all of those count towards that. Our kids are gamers and you're probably a gamer too and don't even realize it. Um, So that'd be number one, just go in, no fear. Uh, Number two, connect with someone like myself and anyone from the eSports EDU community. we want to help you. We want to provide the resources for you. And if it doesn't exist, chances are myself or someone else will help you create it. Uh, and then number three, have an honest conversation with your administrator and your IT department. That's really, really important to make sure that they're on board so that if there are going to be issues that you can either figure out how to work with your school district to figure it out or that you can find a new way, a new conversation to open up with them. 
That's amazing, Melissa. And thank you for those amazing tips. And and you just mentioned there at the end, the IT department, you know, administrators, because sometimes we see that as roadblock. But I think what you just said is having an honest conversation beforehand to see what can be done because there, there must be a way or there can be a way to get this implemented within a building. You know, and as you mentioned earlier on in our conversation, you started off with a, with a Wii U. You, that's how you kicked it off and now look at you and see where you are. So I encourage all of our listeners to follow Melissa on Twitter at Melissa Burns EDU to see all those amazing things that are happening and maybe be inspired to start an esports club or, or even just something in your class that can get your students engaged. Because as Melissa has said several times, I think we're all secretly gamers, um, but our students for sure are spending some time playing those video games. So let's utilize that 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 kind of passion and that desire and make it some sort of, of learning opportunity. So once again, Melissa, I thank you so much for joining me on the Logics Academy podcast. As always, don't forget to follow Logics Academy at Logics Academy on all social media. And don't forget, let's spread innovation across the nation. My name is Brian Willette, and we'll see you next time on the Logics Academy podcast.